First of all, apologies for having you in here when it's so gorgeous outside. <laughs> My suggestion is that when you get lunch, if it's still sunny and you never know, you take your dinner outside, eat on the bench or off the bench. Uh, okay. I was just thinking, uh, I don't know any, anybody ever heard, but what, what's the name of that famous actor, the one that was in the, the film, We Ate All the Eggs? Uh, what was he called? Cool Who? Cool Hand Look. What was the actor called? Paul Newman. Paul Newman, yeah. I don't know if any of you are familiar with him, but Paul Newman said that getting old is not for sissies. <laughs> Which, uh, and I was just thinking that this practice is not for sissies either. <laughs> it's quite a tough practice, you know. Uh, not only do we have to sit heads on knees but we have to listen to all the stuff we'd rather not hear we'd rather keep under the table or the carpet so I, I appreciate you all, you all being here and your bravery of being in this practice I think that's why it's called uh, 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 why most sitting groups have, have a maximum of about six people and the other thoughts I wanted to say, which I keep forgetting to say, you know, we, we, we talk about, uh, in the practice, we say the Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha are, are, are refuges, the three refuges. But re- really important in all this work is the Sangha is a refuge, and I think we can all forget that, you know. The Sangha is a refuge in the sense that it's a place um, where you can be with like-minded people who, who are also looking and willing to deal with the same stuff as you are, and, uh, and, and, and empathetic to, to the... Uh, the difficulties uh, that we find ourselves in, I don't just mean emotional or physical, I also mean you know, the metaphysical difficulties that we, uh, doubts and questions that arise for us. Um, I was a bit in a rack today about whether to, to go straight into what I talked about on Tuesday, um, about it, the, the, the tension between this being it and also our, our wish to, uh, you know, the tension between being and becoming. Um, so I thought I'd just go straight into being and becoming and look at the uh, basics of this practice later at this time. Uh, but before starting, I'd really like to thank Ken for a fantastic talk yesterday, uh, which he really honed down, nailed down uh, the path. Um, <coughs> It's it's a it's a perspective that I'm that I'm sympathetic not sympathetic to agree with, uh, and at the same time I think both Ken and I would emphasise that anything we say is partial, <laughs> so it's not the full picture either. But it's a view that both of us, I guess, which is why we work together, we both agree with. Um, I just wanted I wanted to start off. Uh, so I've I, I called this this is it, and and not yet and ambition and emptiness um, and what, you know, what is our natural state of being how do we, how do we accommodate or, or, or come to terms with the tension between the teaching saying that everything is fine and, uh, and, and also uh, our own wishes to change and to move on and uh, to find answers to questions and I thought I'd just start by saying something about myself, uh, which is always easier. It's always easier to talk about yourself. Uh, I think I've stapled this together. Um, from this vantage point, which in which uh, 
I'm later in life than uh, a lot of people, but not that much later than some of us here, and a lot later than others. Um, and I was looking back at all the things that uh, all the uh, projects or whatever you'd like to call them that I've been involved with in my life, you know, from running a busy restaurant for 40 years to writing many books to creating a karate federation um, or, or and all these things still exist and they're still prospering most of them out there somewhere although the restaurant's been demolished now <laughs> but I still meet people on the streets who say to me when are you going to open another one? <laughs> bugger off, you open your own <laughs> um, but and, there are, and, and all these things, and we all have them, are markers in our lives. And, um, and yet, you know, finally, uh, what are they? You know, what are they for me? My books collect dust on my own bookshelves. The rest has been demolished. Uh, uh, in Zen terms, you know, they're, they're all empty. The, the, they were impermanent and they always were. Not the tins of soup, I hope. Not the tins of soup, no, they still exist somewhere, but I, I don't own them anymore. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, 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 in real terms, it is empty, you know, it is impermanent, and what was all that about is a question that can arise for you when all these things pass, whilst at the time, and this is the interesting thing, you know. Me, at that time, I was completely identified with each of them. Each of them was serious to me and I wanted to do a proper job. Um, and now they've gone. Uh, and what, do, what, you know, what, what is all that about? And at the same time, despite experiencing the emptiness of all those things, I'm still ambitious. There's still things I really want to do. Um, I'm still, you know, I, don't, I still don't feel passive about my life. So... Um, you know, this, this, this recognition, and I don't know whether it resonates for any of you, is, is, is you know, it's, it's both liberating and it's sobering. Uh, how do you lead a life that encompasses aspiration and the constant awareness of impermanence and emptiness? How, how, yeah, that's a really, really interesting question. Um, and I, will want, I do want to say something about emptiness later, if we have time. It's not a good description, it's not a good translation, emptiness of, of shunyata. Um, <clears throat> I think no-thingness, or something like that, is a better description. And this no-thingness is full of amazing potential. So you know, emptiness gives a, a rather negative view. But there is, there is, there is a a tension between accomplishment and the awareness that everything will pass. Um, and uh, the, the, the dilemma um, this, this personal dilemma perfectly matches the dilemma in the practice in which, in which we say, you know, on the one hand we are perfect, we're fine as we are, everything is okay, and then parallel that is the pursuit of, of spiritual uh, accomplishment or attainment or satisfaction. Uh, so the desire to practice versus the, re the rejection of all the goals that we're practicing for. And you know, this is the very question that Dogen took to China. 
was a huge question for him. You know, why have I, why have, you know, he had the realization that everything is fine and perfect, so why do I need to practice? And um, when he came back from China, they asked him what he'd brought back, and I can't remember the exact phrase, but basically he said, a straight nose and my eyebrows. <laughs> That's all he brought back. Um, and these these questions are, are, are asked all the time in the cones, you know. Uh, you know, there's a, how do, how do, how do you proceed from the top of a 100 foot pole? Um, why do you put your nine piece robe on when the bell rings? <clears throat> And also, uh, alongside everything being perfect and fine as they are, is a, 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 um, a sentiment in Zen which pervades the tradition, which things are endless, you know. Uh, you vow every day to save all sentient beings. How can you save all sentient beings? <laughs> The four vows can never be attained. And yet, everything is fine as is. So there's this endless path that pervades the tradition, and what is also intrinsic in the tradition is that everything is fine. And it, 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 I've got it written down here in quotation marks that all sentient beings, the Buddha said, are perfect and complete. There is no need to strive, struggle, or seek some future state. All the conditions for our fulfillment are already here in the present moment. And in the Song of Zazen, Hakuin says, At this moment, what more need we see? And in the Heart Sutra, it's, we chant it daily, it says, There is nothing to attain. And yet, That isn't how we feel, is it? it is, genuinely, it's not how we feel, is it, for all of us, for most of the time. Um, not yet, and this is it. So Ken, Ken, Ken addressed this to somebody, well, uh, fully in a way uh, in one of his talks and, and, and maybe part, part of the answer to this and it's not the full answer is, is, is in the distinguishment we make between the relative and the, and the absolute or the ultimate dimension um, <coughs> and the relative and, 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 and the absolute or the ultimate or uh, what was the phrase you used Ken, the authentic yeah. the authentic each, each of these has their own nature and their own truth. And so in, in the relative, in the historical, in the realm of, of time, of life and death, uh, you know, we strive, we struggle, um, we pursue goals, both material and spiritual, and, uh, and we compete. We compete as separate selves. I mean, that's the reality of, 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 of how it feels anyway. And in the absolute or the ultimate, none of these things uh, are thought to be valuable. You know, the, the, not, not even not thought to be valuable, aren't valuable, because ultimately all our strivings are empty, our thoughts are insubstantial, and our attainments are impermanent. 
we are not separate selves in that we are perfect and already sufficient and at the same time we're separate beings so how do we negotiate this you know how do we negotiate it um, so what I've written here and forgive me I've, I've been really hectic so I haven't I'm not, I'm not, uh, I can't speak spontaneously today. <laughs> it's not kind of flowing for me. So I've, I've, I've written some things down here. So what I've said is our natural state of being has no origin. And since we cannot say when it came into being, nor can we say what caused it. So we say it's unborn and undying. And this natural state of being is self-sustaining, self-existent and not dependent on a first cause. So what does that mean? It's not dependent on a first cause. Unborn and undying. This is this is this is essentially You can't go beyond that. Pardon? You can't go beyond that. You can't you can't yeah, even go even saying going beyond it misrepresents it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing you can say, really. It's the first cause. It's empty. There's, we're unborn and we're undying. And in that respect, you know, it saves us a lot of problems asking what, where, where did it start and where will it end? So uh, our, our non-separate selves and our unique selves, which aspire to worldly achievements, uh, are, are both uh, founded on this emptiness or lack of first cause. So samsara and nirvana can be experienced as non-dual without denying that either exist. So that's why we say not one, not two. Because uh, both of them have the same underlying nature. Uh, Genpo Roshi used to talk about if you look down a, a railway line that's absolutely straight, they look like they join at the final, at the horizon, but in fact they don't. You know they remain separate uh, uh, railway lines. And if you're going to experience the right railway line, you need to jump over. Uh, but this underlying first cause encompasses both samsara and nirvana. And nirvana is another way of saying, what is nirvana? Yeah, what is nirvana? What is it? What is it? It's a, it's a really interesting question. But finally, you know, there is no fixed view that we can hold. There's, my understanding is finally there's no fixed view that uh, is going to answer this dilemma. It can only be answered in, in, our, in our own experience. And, uh, this, the... Anyway, from my experience, and maybe there are people who, 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 who've had more than this, but the, the, the disappearance of the sense of self, of self-centeredness, is never total and once and for all. I mean, that is an aspiration, and that's what's offered as, as, what, you know, as, as, as the ultimate, if you like, of, of practice. But I don't know anybody that that's been the case for. I mean, practice may transform our lives in one dimension. It may transform our lives in the one dimension in which we can truly experience this, this, this uh, um, 
place where we know that everything is fine, that everything really is fine, and that we do stand absolutely in the spot we stand on, and it's okay. But often, what we'll discover, and, and I'm telling you, I'm telling you this all in the context of the of the of the um, title of this uh, of, the, of this this session, you know, pitfalls on the way, that as, as honouring sangha that we need to share this, you know, our own experiences. And mine is that whilst I may uh, have an experience in one area, there's other aspects of my life that don't change. <laughs> that don't change. You know, they stay the same and they come up, they carry on being problems. Uh, and I, I, like you, walk a, a narrow line between embracing my life uh, and acceptance and also the need to continue to make efforts. <laughs> and what, what uh, sustains me and, uh, is faith, which is what Ken talked about. And it's not faith in anything, it's just faith. <laughs> because my experience is that if you have faith in something, whether it's a human being, or in a party, a political party, or in a, in, a, in, a, in a philosophy, or an idea, then you will be disappointed. <laughs> and faith is really important, uh, just to have faith. And that faith carries with it the possibility of anything can be true. <laughs> so even if we talk about the not, you know, even if we talk about there isn't a God, or there isn't a first cause, or there isn't any uh, other, apart from our own validation, point to being alive. We may think those things and say those things, and we may believe in them, but when we have faith, everything remains open. So it, is, it does remain possible that there could be a God. It does remain possible that the ground of being could be beneficial. So we don't rule anything out, you know. And as you know, my people have uh, practiced with me for many years, and I've practiced with them. Um, <coughs> Tony, in particular, since '82, is that yeah? My perennial question and my perennial need was that the ground of being should, in some way, be beneficial. I couldn't really, I didn't really want to accept that it was neutral. <laughs> And of course, it's not neutral either. It's like nature. You know, I think I said to somebody the other day, nature, nature is not malevolent, nor is, it bene nor is it beneficial, but it's not neutral either. And that's, that's, that's what life is like. You know, that's what I understand the great life to be like. We, wanna, we, wanna, we would like to pin it down as being, you know, as, as nature as being malevolent or <laughs> beneficial. Uh, and, it, and we think if it's neither of those things, it must be neutral. But it isn't neutral either. <laughs> so you, you know, you, whatever you do, however you move around, trying to grasp hold of it is impossible. As soon as you grasp hold of something, it slips away from you. I suppose all I can say from experience is the self-centeredness or self selfish ideas of gain, of personal gain intrude on our natural functioning and they, frust they, they frustrate 
uh, our ability to experience life on a, on a spontaneous basis. So they kind of block us from allowing life to unfold because we have a view of how it should be out of our own self, you know, our own self need. At the same time, you know, I don't give myself a bad time if I'm selfish. <laughs> it, you know, that's just another, <laughs> another layer, really, another way of reinforcing my sense of I. Uh, and that, that, you know, that, 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 that willingness to allow life to unfold brings us to one of the basic uh, uh, understandings uh, that the Buddha had which is often most difficult for people, which is the, the inescapable fact of impermanence. Uh, and, and, you know, that means that there is an, abs an absolute limit, perhaps the wrong way to put it, but there is a relative limit, absolutely, to what we can manage and control. You know, we can't control everything, no matter how much we try, how much we want to... Uh, um, Create a, uh, a situation for ourselves in which we, we which which reflects how we'd like life to be. It's never going to happen. And if you hold on to that idea, then you know you're going to be disappointed. And the more we hold on to the self, the more we hold on. You know, the more we grip our sense of how we how we how we are, how we'd like to be, how we'd like the world to be, the more the tighter we hold on to that. Uh, the tougher life is, ironically, paradoxically, um, and equally, I don't think. At least I haven't experienced it, and I don't. I haven't met anybody else, I don't think, although these are things that one can't know. There's no full-time nirvana, you know, there's no, <laughs> you can't be in nirvana full-time. It doesn't happen. Uh, you slip in and out of feeling fine and not feeling fine. And, uh, um, and the reality is, the, abs the absolute reality is that we will always remain embodied. You know, living in a world of right and wrong, of, of good and bad, life and death. And, and it's in that world where we need to function. There's no other world to function in. That's the world we function in. So our hopes to escape and avoid those things are, are founded on, uh, on, on rocky ground. <laughs> I don't know. But, oh, um, I'm very. Uh, please feel absolutely free to interrupt or uh, say something or comment or. Can I just ask you again about faith? Yeah. Um, I, I'm still trying to understand what you mean by it. You know what yeah. it means to you. Yeah. What you mean by faith? It sounds like some kind of. It's not switched on. I don't think. Yeah. Sorry. No. It sounds like some kind of basic. Optimism and positive view on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I understand why you'd like me to. Rather to, than because yeah. you say it's not faith in something. Yeah. Which is what I've understood it to mm, be. It mm. is faith in, in some, some yeah. belief system yeah. or a yeah. god or yeah. something. You say it's not yeah. got an object. So is it some kind of um, just? 
optimistic, positive view on the world. Is that what you mean by faith? It could mean that, but I and I understand why you want me to pin why you want well, to pin. I'm, I'm, I'm asking. <laughs> I know, but I, let, let me just let me say I understand why you're asking the question, and I, in your shoes, would ask the same question of someone else, but. Wanting to pin me down is a reflection of your need and my need to have some security. And though, so partially you're right, you know, I am optimistic by nature and I, do, I don't want to, you know, that, that is, that, that is, uh, uh, I'm fine with that. Not that there's anything wrong with being optimistic. You know, an optimist, a pessimist is, what do they say, a pessimist is a realistic optimist. <laughs> but, forgive me, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to answer that, because anything I say will, 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 would not be the full picture, really. Okay, I'm quite happy to accept that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But it's a, it's a great question, and... and That's why it's always valuable to have you in the Sangha, because you ask those questions. <laughs> no, it's true, you try and nail me down. <laughs> Sorry if it seems that way. My intention is to nail you down. Don't be sorry, it's good. Just apologising that it's not my intention to nail well, Just to understand... Don't apologise, because I, I spent half my life trying to nail people down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get some security. You know, you have to have a proper answer from some bugger who won't reply. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is a brilliant talk, you know, we just had. But I think that you didn't say anything. Say, say again. The, your speech you just had now was brilliant. Oh, thank you. But I think that you didn't say anything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Stop just speaking now. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to ask you why you wanted the grass cutter to stop. Because oh. I was aware, you know, there was the noise, and I was thinking it'll eventually it'll stop. Yeah. And you were more direct in your actions to make that yeah. happen sooner. I was thinking about this talk. I wanted to stop before the tour because my, my, my hearing is really is terrible. So if there's a thing going on out there, it, it, it would interfere with me hearing myself. So it wasn't about us sitting in silence, it was just I wanted the thing stopped before the talk. So if you noticed, I looked at my watch and I waited till it was 10 to or whatever before I asked. Is that, was that what you meant? Or yeah, were, yeah, were you thinking that was interfering? Yeah, I thought it was really funny. I thought you were oversensitive to it. Ah, oh, right. No, no. It's just for the talk. But in a way, it sort of encapsulates what you've just been saying. It is, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, that tightrope between acceptance and action. Yeah. And moving in and out of those the two states all the time. All the time, yeah. How <coughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, it's what, what they say in Zen, you know, uh, no, no, that's no, okay. Well, whatever you do, 
You know, whatever, however, whichever place you're in, above all, don't wobble. You know, if you want the lawnmower stopping, have a word with Jess, because he's really good at it. You know, he'll get them to stop without offending them, whereas if I went out, they'd probably, you know... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just like to say that I was in no doubt why you did it. Okay. Can I ask a question about um, saying that you're uh, absolutely right um, about you've never met anybody who's been stuck in Nirvana and it's impossible yeah. to believe that anybody could be. And function in yeah, the world. Function, but do you yeah. think there, is, there are people who might. Uh, Sliding or slipping to that state in a, in a state of repose. You know, oh, yeah, for sure. Lightened, you know, that, uh, when they fall asleep or when they're resting, you know, their mm. minds actually stop. Yeah. You know. Well, I'm sure those, you know, usually it's Tibetans who, who go on a, you know, like a three year re- retreat in a cave. Mm. I'm sure that that's the place they live in. Mm. But, you know, if they're married and they come down, they've got teenage kids. Let them hold on to it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, it is a place you can be, but the conditions need to be right to hold on to it. And if you're going to be in the world, and, you know, essentially, this is a lay practice, and most of us are worldly people, then to have that aspiration, I just wanted to say, well, you know, if you can do it, great, but don't feel bad if you can't. Yeah. Pardon me. We'll just, I didn't catch that, but we'll... Um, you talked about practical things like the lawnmower and that there's a balance between action and inaction Mm. when it comes to emotional feelings just your feelings and how you're feeling is that something where there's a balance between action and inaction or is that something where inaction where action just doesn't work no, no, I think there, I think there is, but the, the 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 trick is to know when to move. I mean, it's not it's not an analogy, but it reminds me of when I was a student, and you know, I shared a, a flat with three other guys, and you know, the one who couldn't bear the bin being full longest was the one who emptied it. You know, <laughs> and it's the same with your emotions. You know, the, the, if you can bear the unpleasantness of the place then you can bear it, you know, but there's a point at which you can't and you have to move. And, you know, and, and if you, as you practice, uh, or, or perhaps as you get older and you, you become more experienced with your own feelings, you know you can preempt and move earlier. That's, that's a possibility as well. Yeah. Do you mean move? Psychologically. Yes, emotionally. You, you, you can save yourself pain earlier, yeah. You can preempt it, yeah. I mean, if you're in a difficult relationship, for instance, you'll learn as you get older to get out quicker. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm not suggesting that, you know, working in a, on a, in a relationship is a wonderful way to grow. I'm, but some of them are destructive, you know. <laughs> Sorry, Julian, but could you sh- sh- shout that out? Because I'll uh, uh, wait for the mic. Uh, oh, it's okay. You can say a silly comment again. Yeah. I just said, wasn't Kurt Cobain in there? Wasn't he what? 
<laughs> Am I killing your joke? Sorry. <laughs> what, what about Kurt Cobain? You put me down with the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Is there anyone else I should have carried on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, back to faith, Sensei. Um, this might sound like a really simplistic question, but isn't faith, you say it's about nothing. Did you say that? No, I didn't say it's about nothing. I said okay. to have faith in something could be a mistake. Okay. So faith in the Dharma. Uh, I mean, I yeah, even even that may disappoint you oh. at some point. But it's guaranteed to disappoint and be inconsistent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's a bit like you know. Um, and I owe this to a voice dialogue thing I did with Gampo Roshi, and I really appreciated it when it, we spoke to the voice of hopelessness. And, and, you know, at first, when you first hear that, there's no hope in it. It's kind of distressing. But if you really speak from the voice of hopelessness, then you're free because you've got no expectations. You're, you're there to, to just slip into whatever's happening without disappointment. And I think I'm talking about faith in the same way. Thank you. you. Miranda, did you? I I think that the teacher, he doesn't want to tell us his faith. Because there's there's a process, they believe faith and no. Because if you learn mistake, if you say I have faith, you must have faith in something. Because you believe first, and then you need faith to support your belief. And the way you know, there's no longer belief, no longer faith. Me, I have faith in God. But I think that uh, most spiritual teachers and Zen masters, they are afraid to say the word God. God, they are afraid. Because they can't explain it. For me, Buddha did not see far. His view was very limited. For my own experience, I have confirm that there is God and I have faith in Him. This is my experience and I'm, I'm not afraid to tell anybody my faith. My faith has God uh, because uh, I've been in this country for five years now and uh, I am and what, what, they, what the system called irregular immigrant. I am not allowed to work. I am not, I am not allowed to public thought. But we didn't for five years. I am not relative in the UK. I have survived. There is a force that moves. We make us sustain. We have no house, so you survive. We have no food, but you eat. There's this, and there's God. I have faith in Him. Thank you. Good. <laughs> I'm happy for you. <laughs> Can I just say something? Sorry. I mean, we've got people who, like Father um, Patrick, who, who are practiced. Sorry, we have you know members of this sangha who are practicing Christians as well, don't we? Yeah. So, you know, what you say is you believe in God, and that we have the other boys cool. Other members of the sangha who also believe in God, and you may not, as in you know, I don't. So it happens. This practice attracts people from every tradition. There are many Jewish practitioners, there's many uh, Christian practitioners, I don't think there's many Muslim practitioners, but certainly uh, the way 
Zen is, can be presented is it's the religion before religions. So it's the ground on which religions are founded. He wasn't disagreeing with you though. No, well, he, I, everything was just. I, I didn't say he was pushed aside, right? And I, in that no, moment, no. that very one no. moment, it was true. I don't think he needs the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Got a good loud voice. Thank you, Miranda. I don't quite know what to say after all that. <laughs> Showstopper. Um, I was thinking about uh, the, the point you make, which you often make, about practice and being fine. Yeah. And that's apparent, well, it isn't apparent, it's a paradox. We yeah. use the pen. Yeah. Um, but isn't it, isn't it the case, or would you agree or not, that uh, it's the practice which, which allows me to be fine? Uh, in other words, to not in the sense of Changing, but as in the sense of just being it. Yeah, um, absolutely. That, yeah. That it's, um, they're kind of one and the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, no separation. Like that. It doesn't yeah. feel like that all the time. No, no, it comes and goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't appear to be mm. uh, a difference. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's still a kind of. Fascinating thing I find that way yeah. because I'm, I go round and round with it, but also I feel it changing. And it's like um, Ken mentioned alchemy in mm. changing shape to gold. Um, that's transformation, yeah. transformation, and yet I feel fine. I could just do with some improvement. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> It's, yeah. Uh, what would you, uh, would you agree? Or? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yes, it's just part of a rich tapestry, isn't it? And what's wonderful about the practice is it's not going to end. You know, you're always going to be busy. You're going to have something to do. You're not going to be in an armchair festering. <laughs> Thank you. I actually, I've got what have I got? I've got something here just uh, that that uh, that might be interesting for you. What have I done with it? Uh, in terms of, 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 of Christianity, yeah. This is, this is a Zen master, Hakuin, uh, followed by something that Christ said. Hakuin said, The cause of our sorrow is ego or I delusion, small I delusion. The cause of our sorrow is the delusion of I. And yet, it is I who in the light of the world, according to Christ, it is I who am the light which is above them all. It is I who am the all. From me did all come forth, and to me did all they extend. Split a piece of wood, and I am there. Lift up a stone, and you will find me there. This is what Christ said. This I he's talking about is the I that we're talking about when we say, Who am I? And when Buddha said, I am the world honoured one. It's the same I. It's not, it's not you know, my small ego self I. It's this bigger I that that's ungraspable and can't be talked about and which according to Mashoki Zen teachers are afraid to speak about <laughs> but we're not it's just that we call it ungraspable, unknowable what Christ said is in absolute uh, line with what Hakuin said 
all, all these things fundamentally there is no separation it's just we all find different ways of finding uh, our path and we use different words so go since the end, I was I, I very much brought up in the Christian tradition and um, sort of rejected that and it seems to me that um, yesterday Zen seems to have answered a lot of those questions for me and um, a saying by a Christian mystic really resonated with me and it's only through Zen that it, 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 it becomes alive mm. it's, uh, you know, the eye with which I see God is the same eye with which God sees me and it's only this tradition that's helping to see the yeah. truth of that yeah. and in, in Islam they say God sees himself through the eye of the prophet it's the same thing yeah, yeah um, I, I, I like uh, sorry, just, just, just while I've got this page out on Hackwin uh, I just wanted to read something that he said he said Hackwin says the ego delusion causes our sorrow because it uh, no Hackwin says ego delusion causes our sorrow because it is a delusion of poverty we think our I is something very important in fact it is much more than very important it is all that there is it reminds me of Shankly when he was asked you know, <laughs> is football a matter of life or death he said no it's much more important than that you know? <laughs> so how can we say you know, the right where we stand to be deluded about that you know, it's even more important it's, it's a delusion of poverty you know, to be deluded about who we are is to mistake it completely because who we are and I don't mean you know, the small self-centered self but who we are is all that there is Sometimes I tend to think that Buddhism, because Buddhism pretends to be irrational. Yeah. yeah. But sometimes I see it as very rational. Like just like because of the is emphasis on the beginningless and endless. Yeah. Because this this Buddhism is Buddhism is very very rational. Is that it? Is that irrational? I, what I prefer to say is that my understanding of Buddhism is that it's rational. I am talking. No, but you need to use the word I because what you're saying, you're, you're offering it as a statement. What, is, it, what is I? Your view in this case. Your small Mishoki's view. It's not a universal view. So if you say I and own it, that's fine. We can listen. But if you offer as a statement, mm. it polarizes opinion. Yeah, I think that Buddhism is very rational on its beginless and endless thing because it couldn't go beyond that. Okay, thank you. Thank you. I should say that your dad's a preacher. You're following his footsteps. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Could I, could I just, I've, I've, written, I've, I've written the last page here and I've written on the top conclusion. Yeah, so I'll leave, I'll leave, I'm going to say something that's conclusive. How's that? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so I've written this. Thing. Thus, I like that word, thus, thusness, thus. How do we embrace the opposing dual functions of acceptance and effort? By seeing that they are both vital.
Effort without acceptance leads to ideas of loss and gain, and thus judgment and pain. And acceptance without effort leads to complacency. We are ongoing sums of our actions, and that does not mean we have to judge ourselves by the outcome. It is hubris to imagine you have complete control over your life. If you fall ill, it is not your fault. It can be, but it really upsets me, and it's nonsense to suggest that it is. You know, we, we, can't, we can't judge the outcome of our lives, and thus we don't need to judge ourselves. And neither practice or life will ever be what we want it to be. The truth or, or reality or, or the authentic life that Ken talks about is not interested in your view of how things will be or should be. It's not interested. <laughs> There's no problem-free sphere of existence. That's my experience. There's no problem-free sphere of existence. If we, we categorise things as a problem, and it's our choice, the only moral question you need to ask yourself is, am I leading a selfless life or a self-centred life? And finally, what allows me to function best and respond best to those around me this is the question, the, the main question that I ask myself. What allows me to function best and respond best to those around me? So it's not, that's just, it's, I'd say it's as simple as that, but it's, it, it's become that simple because it's taken a lot of chipping away and honing down. And, uh, uh, but that's finally my conclusion. And I think the thing that's most important to remember uh, if you imagine that, you will, that, you know, that there'll be a place where your, your life will be problem free then you're causing yourself a problem <laughs> it will always be up and down but it's how you choose to respond to it that's finally your choice and your freedom so, yeah. uh, thanks for Thanks for the talk, uh, Sensei. I, just in relation to your, your last point, and I, I suppose I'd just like to make a, a general reflection on the, uh, the talks through the week. Um, the, my, my personal sort of uh, appreciation of Zen as a teacher and, and Buddhism is um, that, that it, it is a path of relief of suffering, um, essentially. Mm. The Buddhist teaching, yeah. and as we were discussing the other week, when when asked, um, you know, is the is the universe finite or infinite? Um, is there life after death? Does God exist? He refused to answer yeah. these questions, and even when it, some of his disciples put him on the spot and said, "Just tell me, otherwise I'm going to go," he refused to answer. Mm. So the 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 the, the message, the teachings. Uh, yourself and Ken this week that have resonated for me are uh, Buddhism actually is open to any view it's inclusive of any view we don't, we're not rejecting any view um, but it is saying if you get attached to that view and you're going to defend it you're going to suffer hmm. and, and, and this, this path is about relieving suffering hmm. therefore it's about giving up fixed views about the way the world should be the way I should be, um, and, and I, I just think very relevant because I 
again, I was brought up in a church school, a uh, Christian. Um, but I, I heard the story of the Zen teacher who was asked by uh, a Christian uh, priest. Um, uh, I have a very strong belief in a personal God who can intervene on my behalf. Is that going to be a problem when we join the Sangha? And the, the Zen teacher said, um, not for us, is it? Thank you. I appreciate the talk. Thank you, John. That's a really good place to end. Thank you. Really good place. Thank you.